Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, my name is Chris. And uh, if you would, I'd like you to pull out this particular card that looks like this. It says Connect Card. And uh, if you could, uh, we want to get connected with you. And so if you could fill this out, that would be great. And at the end of the celebration, uh, we'll go ahead and collect those. Um, and we'll go from there. Well, uh, today we are beginning a brand new series called Forget You. Forget You. Now, just by a show of hands, just to have a little fun here, you made it on Memorial Day, so uh, you're not at the lakes or somewhere else. Those people are sinners. You're saints, okay? (laughs) Just joking, not really. But anyway, uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you know at least one person in your life who is just a little bit too full of themselves? Raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand. Now, uh, let me ask the second question. Is that person sitting beside you? Don't raise your hand, okay? (laughs) Don't raise your hand on that one. But there are some people that uh, they just want to talk about themselves. And like everything centers on them. It's all about them. And when we have those people in our lives, sometimes what we want to do is we want to say, forget you, forget you. Or have you ever had this experience before? Someone comes up to you and they ask you to do something absolutely crazy. And you start thinking about what they're asking you to do. And you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. And so you finally go to the person. You're like, hey, forget you. I'm not going to do that. When I was growing up as a uh, child, we lived in the country, and all of uh, our neighbors and uh, our family had a garden. And uh, our neighbor beside us was Mr. Whaley, and he had an amazing garden. Um, But our garden looked like this. I think we got a picture of it. That was my mom 20 years ago. She didn't like weeds, um, but uh, we just kind of, that's really not my mom, but anyway. we just, we, our garden was always weedy. It was messed up, just not good at all. Now, our neighbor beside us, Mr. Whaley, his garden looked like this. Perfectly nice, no weeds, had a rototiller, did everything. And uh, it was just amazing the way the two looked. Well, he would produce so much that it was just he and his wife. They couldn't really uh, eat everything, so they would call us off. And at one time... They called my dad, and they said, hey, uh, we have some uh, extra tomatoes that we would like to give to you. Why don't you send one of the kids over? And so me being the youngest, my dad turns to me and says, Chris, go get some tomatoes from Mr. Whaley. Well, what was the divider between his property and our property was a wired fence that had holes in it that were about like this. And I walk up to get the tomatoes. Mr. Whaley gives me the tomatoes, but his dog, Charlie, puts his head through the fence and bites my calf, causing blood. And immediately I start crying and I bring these tomatoes back to my dad. And uh, he's like, why are you tearing up? And I'm like, can't you tell? And there's like blood dripping down from my calf. And he's like, oh, gosh. And so... They had to take us, and we, um, you know, got a tetanus shot and all that kind of stuff. Now, I would like to say that Charlie looked like this dog. 
but actually Charlie looked like this. It was just this little poodle of a dog, but it was the most vicious poodle in Marion, Indiana, okay? I'll let you know that. And uh, so I get this shot, we go to the ER, we come back, everything's fine, there's no problem whatsoever. And a few months go by, and he has some more tomatoes for us, and so he calls up my dad and he says, hey, uh, come on over and get some tomatoes. And my dad had the audacity to look at me and say, Chris, go get some more tomatoes. Anyone want to take a guess what I told him? It's the title of the next two weeks. What did I say? Forget you! Forget you! I am not going to go hear Charlie, you know, go, hey, sissy boy, I want to bite your other cat. You know? Just wasn't going to happen. Well, today, what I want to talk about is not other people, but what I want to talk about is you and I and the fact that We need to look in the mirror sometimes at that person that we see in the mirror and we need to say, forget you. It's not about you. Because it isn't about you. It's not about me. It's something something that's bigger and greater than what we can imagine. And so over the next two weeks, I just want to really dig down deep into one particular verse of Scripture That is in John chapter 3, verse 30. But let me give you a little bit of background first. John, the guy who actually uh, writes uh, this uh, gospel account, this good news account of Jesus, was one of Jesus' closest friends. And one day, he hears about Jesus' cousin, another guy by the name of John the Baptist. So there's John who writes this book, And then there is a story about Jesus' cousin named John the Baptist. And the reason why he had Baptist is because he was baptizing people in water. And John actually writes something down that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, had said. And it's in chapter 3, verse 30. And this is what it says. He, Jesus, must become what? What's it say? greater, and I must become what? What's it say? Less. So he must become greater, and I must become less. And my hope is over the next two weeks that you will actually memorize this verse. So we're going to uh, learn about memorization right now. And this is what I'd like you to do. Uh, When you're memorizing a scripture, you always give the citation first, and then you read the verse and then you tell where it's cited again. So we're going to say John 3.30, we'll say the verse, and then we'll say John 3.30 again, okay? So let's all look at the screen. Let's say this out loud together. John 3.30, he must become greater, I must become less. John 3.30. Now, next week you will have a quiz on this, okay? So we'll see how you do on that. But a great verse, an easy one to memorize. Now, Let me give you a little bit of context to this verse before we get to it. John's cousin, John the Baptist, was a rock star religiously. He was like Bono. There were all of these people that were flocking to him and wanted to be a part of his particular ministry. In fact, John actually baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. 
And after he had baptized them, he told his disciples, John said, Hey guys, I'm not the one. This guy is the one. I'm not the Christ. He's the Christ. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. So don't look at me. Look at him. Well, after Jesus is baptized, he starts his public ministry, and pretty soon there are people that start flocking to him. And first there are just a dozen, and then it gets into the hundreds, and finally there are crowds sometimes of thousands that are following Jesus. And so John's disciples see what's going on, and in verse 26 of that same chapter, it says this, So John's disciples came to him, that is John, they came to John and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of what? Instead of coming to us. John's disciples are like, hey, John. Like, dude, what's going on? The crowds aren't with us anymore. They're with him. I mean, I don't know about the marketing strategy that we have, but it's not working anymore. We need to do something different. And hey, John, by the way, are you still praying as much as you used to? Are you reading the Bible like you used to? Are you, you know, really interceding on behalf of other people, like, what's happening? You, you don't have the power anymore. I mean, everyone's leaving us, John, and they're all going across the river to that guy. And I guess if I want some job security myself, I should leave and go that way too. What's going on? And John turns to him. He's like, hey, guys, 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 just chill out. Don't. He must become greater, and I must become less. It's almost as if John were saying this. Second place is okay. I'm good with second place. Coming in second is all right. Now this is crazy in our culture, isn't it? Because we're told that second place is what? The first loser. Which is a horrible thing. Why do we say that? Second place is the first loser. For instance, they've done these studies on Olympic athletes. And um, who do you think typically is the least satisfied with their medal? The gold medal, the silver medal, or the bronze medal? Which one? Silver. Now, why is that? You're on the podium. You're the second best in the world. And this is what happens. If you get the gold medal, well, you get all the glory. If you get the bronze, you're just like, dude, I got on the platform. You know what I mean? I'm good. But if you get second, you're like, well, no one's going to remember me, and I almost could have won, but I didn't. And that's what happens. And so in our culture, there's this desire within us to outwit, outmaneuver, outplay somebody else because we need to be numero uno. Here, John, though, is saying something very, very different. He's saying he must become greater and I must become less. He's like, second place? It's okay. 
Now, when you meet someone in life who is that humble, someone whose humility just oozes out of them to a point where you're like, wow, like it's never about them. Let me ask you this question. Someone with that kind of humility, are you attracted to that person or are you unattracted to that person? What do you think? Turn to the person beside you. Tell them real quick. That way if you say the wrong answer, unlike first, you won't get yelled at by me, okay? So a person who's humble, are you more attracted to them or are you less attracted? Go ahead. Tell the person beside you. Well, the correct response is more attracted, okay? Most of us are always more attracted to someone who is humble and who doesn't put themselves as number one. We want to be around those people. Who do you, don't, who do you not want to be around? You don't want to be around the person who always has to be right, who always has to have the last word, who always has a big head, who always has to be noticed. Those are the kind of people that we look at and we say, forget you. But when you are around someone who embodies this verse, that he must become greater and I must become less, those are the kinds of people that we're attracted to. But the problem is, is that in our society, the temptation is to have everything about me. Me, myself, and I. A perfect triangle of me. It's about how many likes or comments or replies you get on your Facebook page, right? Like when you put a post up, you don't look at the post. You look to see how many people liked it. How many people commented? How many people replied? Whoa, that makes me better because it's about me. If you tweet something out on Twitter, you don't look at what you tweet. You want to know how many other people retweeted what I did because it's about you. Instagram, how many of those looked at this and made some kind of comment? I don't care how much I have to do to get over the next person, to go up the ladder in the job, because it's about me. I coached uh, uh, elementary age school kids in multiple sports, and I was always amazed that some parents wanted to be all about their kids. And I would play, you know, who I thought was best to be able to win whatever it was. And then parents would come up to me and they're like, why isn't my kid playing more? And this is what I wanted to say. They're not very good. Obviously, everybody can see your kid's not as good as some of the others. But I never said that. And yet the reality is, is that some parents are like, hey, I want my kid to have more PT. They need more playing time. I want them out there on the field or on the court. They need more and more and more. And this is the truth. There are some parents, they don't care if the team loses as long as their kid gets the action. Maybe it's photographs. You ever noticed this before? You take a photograph of a whole group of people and who is the person that you look at if you're a part of that group photograph? Who do you look at? You look at yourself. You look at yourself and all of a sudden if you look at yourself and you know you look goofy, you're like standing out like that guy. Or your eyes are cross-eyed or you're like standing off to space or you have one of those 
Grins like that. You know, what do you do? You go to the group of people with that and you say, hey, you know what? We need to retake that picture. That is a bad picture. Everybody else could look fine in that picture. But if you look bad, they need to retake it. And you're like, untag me on Facebook. I'm going to delete that on my iPad, the iCloud, the iPhone. It's gone, whatever it is, because it is about us. One of my favorite pictures of my wife is this picture right here. This was taken uh, at the Grand Canyon. And behind us, uh, or below us, is the, uh, uh, the Colorado River. And Jennifer looks great in this. She looks, you know, she looks hot. And this, this is like on our, I'm married to her. I can say she looks hot. She does look hot. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, the picture is on our chest of drawers, and it's there. And, and she looks great. And I was looking at this picture one day. I just walked by. She would put it up, and I was like, oh, man, she looks great. And then I looked at myself. Now look at me. The sun's like in my face and I'm looking all goofy and stuff. And, and so I look at this one day and Jen and I were talking. I was like, hey, I, I really like our new picture. I mean, you look great. But, um, you know, c- could we replace the picture? And she's like, why? And I said, well, you know, because I look goofy and without batting an eye, this is what she said. That's why I picked the picture. <laughs> and, and it's on our chest of drawers now. It's like... It's there. And, and this is the thing, folks. When we look at a picture, even the picture, if it's a group picture, it's all about us. It's about us. He must become greater, though, and we must become less. So here's our big idea this morning. I already kind of alluded to it earlier. This is your first fill-in, so you can fill this in or you can go ahead and uh, do so on our app. Just go to the App Store, the Jar Community Church. It'll come up. Uh, click on it there. But this is it. This is our big idea this morning. It's not about me. It's not about you, me. It would be therapeutic for some of you to actually write that out. Like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. We must decrease. He must increase. Uh, spiritual maturity. Do you think you grow in spiritual maturity? Do you increase in... Or, 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 or Here's the thing. Spiritual maturity is all about decreasing. It's not about increasing. It's about decreasing. Mother Teresa said this. If you are humble, nothing will touch you. Neither praise nor disgrace. But you know what you are. I love that quote. It's this idea... That he must become greater and I must become less. But it is so countercultural to who we are as a society. So what I'd like to do is share with you just three kind of perspectives on answering this question for us this morning. And it's this. In my life, how do I decrease while letting Jesus increase? How do I decrease while letting Jesus decrease? Well, here's the first thing. I lose the focus on myself. Rather than having the focus on myself, I actually lose that focus so that he would increase. This is where you stop focusing on yourself 
Because it's not about you. It's not about us. In the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, in chapter 12 it says this, Let us fix our eyes on who? Who's it say? Yeah, Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Folks, if our focus is on Him, then where can our focus not be? Ourselves. Now, I know you women, you multitask, so maybe you could do more things than the men can. But, but, but we're focused. Like, if you're focused on Him, then it can't be focused on yourself. You know, after a teaching, one of the things that is often encouraging is people will come up to me and they'll be like, hey, uh, good job. Or, uh, hey, you know what, I really appreciate that God really spoke to you today uh, or through you today. Uh, and I'll feel encouraged. And we all want that. No matter what our job is, we want other people to tell us, hey, you know what, you did a good job. You did a good job. In fact, uh, a few uh, months ago, uh, it, the first celebration was done. And I was greeting people, and all of a sudden I walked down this hallway, and a person walked up to me and reached out their hand, and they're like, oh, man, great job. I mean, it's exactly what I needed to hear. And you just really built me up. I mean, I really appreciate it. I, I love that you're my pastor. And I'm like, ah, oh, great, you know, I'm thankful for that. And one of the things that I often say is like, you know, well, I'm glad that God can use moldy clay, because that's what I am. I'm just moldy clay, and so I'm I'm grateful that God spoke to you. And pretty soon another person came up. And they're like, oh, man, just great, man. You were so funny and it was so relevant. And I just really appreciate it. I was like, oh, thanks, you know, I, I appreciate that. And so I'm walking down the hallway and I see someone that I had not seen before. They were new to the church and I didn't know if it was their first Sunday or not. But they start walking toward me and I'm like, well, they're getting ready to tell me, you know, like, hey, great job. We really appreciate it. And so I see them walking, and I start walking towards them, and uh, then all of a sudden, this is what they say. Uh, where do I get more donuts at? Okay. And so I kind of say, well, you can get more where you got them the first time, you know, but uh, you can go back there, and it's here at the Jar Cafe, and this is where it's at. And they're like, oh, okay. And isn't it funny how God can humble you sometimes? That when you think, ah, oh, this is going to be about me, then all of a sudden it's like, no, dummy, they just want more donuts, okay? Just get them to the donuts. You know, we need to get the focus off of us. And we do that by allowing him to become greater and for us to become less. Here's the second thing we need to do to decrease so that Jesus increases. I lose the desire to hold tightly to my stuff. I lose the desire to hold tightly to my stuff. There's a guy by the name of Solomon in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, who was uh, considered uh, one of the wealthiest people in the world. He was a king after his dad, a guy by the name of David. And this guy just owned everything, really, uh, pretty much in the world at that time. I mean, he made, uh, you know, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg look poor uh, compared to how much money this guy had. And in Ecclesiastes, uh, which simply means a, a preacher or a teacher, it's a, a teaching of Solomon's, he, he's teaching and he says this. He says, those who love money never have enough. Those who love wealth 
are never satisfied with their income. Do you think that's true? Yeah. But why? Because this is the truth, folks. There's always something newer and shinier and better than what you have. Whatever you have, just around the corner, there's always something that is bigger and better and has more bells and whistles to it. It might be a phone, a newer phone, or newer clothes, or a newer car. But there's always something that is nicer and better than yours. I mean, when I go to a store and if I stay in a store too long, I'm amazed at how many things there are that I didn't realize I needed. You ever experience that? Like, wow, I didn't know I needed all this. It's this insatiable desire that we have for more and more and more and more and more, and we get more and we just hold it tightly. But when we begin to realize that everything that we have isn't our stuff anyways, then we're not so emotionally attached to whatever that thing is because it's not my stuff. Now the problem is, is that when we do believe that whatever the stuff is that we have and somehow it gets dinged up or dented or torn in some way, then all of a sudden we get emotional about that. For example, let's say you're at Walmart and you walk out of Walmart and you look out and you see somebody get out of their car and as they're opening the door, they ding the door of the other person. Now when you look at that, what do you think? Stinks to be that person, right? Why? Because that's not your door that's getting dinged. So you don't care. You go off and you do your own thing and and you drive away. But if you just took your car to crew car wash and you got it all nice and detailed and then you got the new car scent smell and you sprayed it in your old car. You got an old car, but you want it to smell new, so you spray it in there. And you have that and you get the car and it's kind of away from everyone else's car and it's kind of further out and you have a bumper on both sides for nobody to ding your car and then you go in and then you come back out and you see someone is pulled up right next to your car and you look at the door on your side and there's a big dent in there what happens to you you go loco you go crazy you're like who is this person i can't believe it i I mean we were parked right here and no one and who parks right by this and you've lost it because of that why because it's your stuff you're holding tightly to my stuff many times whether it's our money or our stuff we hold it very tightly we have closed fists And yet freedom in this life is when we have open hands and we realize everything is a gift from God. I think it's the reason why Jesus, more than any other subject, talked about money over half of his teachings did. It focused on money. It focused on stuff. Why? I think because he knew that he realized that there's this power that can overtake us with our stuff. 
So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here what Jesus is saying is that you can only have one master. You can only have one God. But if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll allow the money and the stuff to become a God rather than our true God. And this is what happens each time that we serve something over God. When we say, hey, it's all about me and my stuff and what I say and this is it and I want to hold tightly to it. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to give it away. And Jesus says, hey, if I'm going to become greater and you become less, you must not be tight-fisted, but you must have an open hand. There's a plate that uh, is up on the wall in our kitchen, and it looks like this. And it says, Bienvenidos, mi casa es su casa. And when friends come to our house, or our small group comes to our house, there's many times that I'll just say, hey, mi casa es su casa, which basically means my house is your house. And whatever happens to our house, it's okay because it's your house too. And so there's this openness to it. And folks, we need to have the same mentality with God. God, my house is your house. My apartment is your apartment. My car is your car. Whatever it is, God, it's yours. My stuff is your stuff. My money is your money. My kids, they're your kids. Right? That's all you want to say. No, they're your kids. You got them, God. But we really do need to have this mentality that everything that we have is simply a gift that God has given to us, and it's your stuff. And because of that, then, I don't have to hold tightly to it, but I can have an open hand. So I lose my focus, I lose my stuff, because I realize that all the stuff that I have is God's anyways, and then finally, ultimately, I lose my life. I lose my life. I lose my life for more of Christ. It's not just losing it for losing's sake, but I lose it for more of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 these words, Whoever finds their life will lose it. Now that sounds kind of bizarre, doesn't it? If you found something, you would think that it's not lost. Whoever finds their life will lose it. That's weird. What's all that about? Well, Jesus clarifies this by going on and saying, and whoever loses their life for what? What's it say? For whose sake? For my sake. For Jesus' sake will find it. I'm so glad that he clarifies this because he reminds us that it is all about Christ. 
I lose my life. Why? For more of Christ. Now, the reality is, folks, we do not have a problem losing our lives. We lose our lives to things and stuff and television and the Internet and Facebook all the time. We can lose ourselves. We can get lost in cyber world, not just for minutes, but for hours and hours where we're just lost. We, we lose our life in the midst of that. Something I've noticed over the past month that I've been convicted by uh, is that I've lost myself in the NBA playoffs. Because both the Eastern and Western Finals, they both are going to Game 7s. And I stay up real late and not talk to my family and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm losing my life in this. And this week, while I was preparing for the teaching, I was just convicted. Like, they still give you the score the next morning, okay? Like, it's no problem. You can do that, Chris. And so I had to readjust some things. Or maybe for some of you, a few weeks ago, it was all about American Idol. And you lost yourself in American Idol. And we know that tomorrow night something's coming up, right? The Bachelorette. And Becca, we're going to find out if she finds love or not, right? I had to look all of that up. I had no idea about this. but One of our babysitters, she's like addicted to it, and she has to put it on there. And so I was like, well, tell me about this. And hey, tomorrow, big night for the Bachelorette. Folks, you can lose your life in all kinds of things. But Jesus says, whatever, whoever finds his life will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, for my sake, you will find it. Because the truth is, folks, and I've seen it with so many different people, is that when people have a life that it's all about them, eventually, Eventually, they become very, very empty. There was a guy that I played basketball with uh, in Kokomo. He was a surgeon, and he had his fifth wife. But he had a gymnasium that was all his and had a huge, gigantic uh, whirlpool that was there. And every time I'd go play at his house, I was like, man, I want this. I want this. And then I found out that he was on his fifth wife and that none of his kids wanted anything. And then we walked over to his gigantic, enormous house and it was the biggest mess I'd ever seen in my life. And you know why? Because he had become so tight-fisted that he thought it was about his stuff and he became empty. Folks, being second place or not having what somebody else has, it's difficult for all of us. It's difficult for all of us. That's what we need to do, though, is to know how to lose our life to something that is greater. And Christ is greater. You know, I think when uh, John's disciples were like, hey, hey, John, Look at all these people. They're, they're all flocking to that other guy across the river. 
I think what John, when he said, he must become greater, I must become less, I think there was a moment where he's like, yes! Yes! That's exactly why I came here. That's what I want. That's what I need. Because he really must become greater and I must become less. So where do we find this being played out in our lives today? Well, one place I think it is when you reach out to someone who's disconnected from Christ for the church and you give all kinds of energy and effort and you send texts and phone calls and you invite them over and they eat at your house and you do all kinds of things and you try to reach out to them the best way you can and then all of a sudden there's like this aha moment where they're like, I get it finally. And when you see that they get it, you're like, yes, yes. And you don't care if they go further in your faith than you do, you're just grateful that you had the opportunity to take them to the next place. I think we also see it with parents and their kids. I mean, good parents really want to be able to give opportunities for their kids that's better than their own. And so there'll be this tendency to be like, hey, I want them to have better opportunities than what I have, to do more, to go farther. And when we see our kids accomplish things, that's when we're like, yes, yes. And I can lose my own life for something that's better for them. So it was interesting. On Friday was our kids' uh, actual awards program for school. And all of a sudden, our girls won a couple different academic things and People are all excited, and a couple of kids came up to me because I uh, coach track, and they're like, hey, Mr. Bunch, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And then all of a sudden, the parents came up to me, and they said, oh, you're Jordan's dad. I have been demoted. I am no longer Chris. You know who I am? Jordan's dad, Shiloh's dad. This is what your heavenly father did for you. He said, I will send my one and only son who will choose to be decreased so that you would be increased. That God never forgot about you. And then Jesus turns and he says, so, will you choose to allow me to become greater and for you to become less. Let's pray. God, we uh, take a couple of moments right now to just reflect upon our own lives. And so, Holy Spirit, come and move. And would you remind us of any area of our life that we need to decrease in? Maybe it's in our marriage and we just think it's always about us. God, would you help us to know how to become less 
so that the other person could be lifted up. Maybe it's with our kids and it's all about us and we need to sacrifice some more time. Maybe it's in our job. Maybe it's with our parents. Maybe it's with people that we work with. Maybe it's our neighbors. But right now, I would just like you to ask yourself, is there an area of my life? Is there an area of my life where I really need to decrease? Maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something that's small. But is there something in your life that needs to be more about Christ and less about you? And if you would, with every eye closed, with just within yourself, if there is something, if there's something in your life that needs to be more about Him and less about you, would you just raise your hand and say, God, there is. There's something in my life that really does need to be less about me and more about you. God, I thank you for every lifted hand right now. Hands that say, it needs to be more about you and less about me. Whatever aspect in their life, God, I pray that you would give them courage to live more for you and less for themselves. Now, some of you are here today, maybe for the first time, or you've been checking out who this God is. And you need to realize that God has not forgotten you. That regardless of where you're at on the spiritual spectrum, that God has not forgotten you. He doesn't say, forget you. He actually says, I forgive you. Come to me, and I will give you new life. So today, if you're ready to give your one and only life to Christ, today, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I've been saying, forget you, God, forget you, God, but today's the day where I say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your grace in my life. I need you to become greater in my life. Jesus, I want you to be first place for you to become greater and for me to become less. That today, if that's your heart's desire and you've never made that commitment before, that you would just simply repeat this prayer after me. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray together. So I invite everyone to just repeat after me these words. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. May you become greater and I become less. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that for the first time. Welcome to the kingdom of God.
Hi, everybody. I'm Emily. And if you just prayed that prayer with Chris, maybe for the first time or um, it was like the first time for you and you recommitted your life to Christ, we want to um, just be able to celebrate with you and pray for you. And so we have a table um, in the back corner there and I'll be over there and I'd love to just give you a gift to kind of remember this day. Um, and just be there to celebrate with you. And then also, Chris had mentioned this Connect card um, earlier today that's in your program. And if you turn it around to the back, there's a little checkbox um, that says, I accepted Christ today. And if you would check that, um, that way we can just support you and encourage you um, in that way as well. So go ahead, if you haven't finished filling out your Connect card to do that, just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better, whether you're here for the first time or have been coming for a while. Um, and then when the offering bags come around, you can drop your Connect card um, in there. And you can also fill out the Connect card on our app, the JAR app. So if you don't have that, get on the Play Store or the App Store download that. There's all kinds of really cool things that you can do um, with that app um, and connect with the JAR through that. Well, um, one of the things that we really care about at the JAR and that matters to us is loving our community and reaching out to it, and especially kids in our community. And so one of the ways that we do that is um, by partnering with um, East Washington Academy School. And um, through the Second Harvest Food Bank, we provide a food bank there to help um, feed those kids and their families that are at East Washington. And so if you're like, you know what, that's something that I care about too, and I want to be a part of that, then on your Connect card in the, in the corner, the top corner, there's a little blue box. And you can check that whether you want more information or you're like, hey, I'm, I'm ready. I want to go and I want to I help with that. And um, the next one that they'll be having is uh, June 13th from 3 to 6 p.m. So whether you can do it that time or they do it on a regular basis, you can check that box and be a part of that. Well, we are going to receive an offering. So if I could have the greeters um, come on forward. And um, today, if you're new here, we don't want you to feel pressured to give in any way. We're more concerned about um, just getting to know you better today. Um, so don't feel like you need to give anything. But if the jar is your church home, then we just encourage you to give um, give back to our God who is so generous to us. Please pray with me. God, I thank you so much um, for this message um, today from Chris. And um, just a reminder that everything that we have, um, it's already yours. And so we're, we're grateful to be able to give it back to you today. And I pray that um, you would take what we give and use it to reach people in our community and to draw them closer to you. Amen. Well, if you are here for the first time or maybe just started coming, we would love for you on your way out today to stop by the guest connection table. Jim's back there with that welcome sign, and he has a free gift for you, no strings attached, just to say welcome to the jar. We're here for you, and um, he can answer questions if you have any and just make you feel welcome at the jar. Well, we have a really fun thing coming up um, called Kicking It 2018, and this is going to be a kickball tournament for our um, impact program, which is our middle school and high school. And so if, you, um, if you're an adult, you can't be in the tournament, but you can come and cheer them on and, and help coach if you want, but this is really for middle school and high school kids. So if you know a middle school and high school kid, maybe they don't go to the JAR, maybe they're not connected to a church at all. Maybe they're not really sure about coming to church. That's a little scary to them, but they might be willing to, to come and play some kickball and get connected with us. Um, and this would be something that you want to tell them all about. It's going to be um, June 10th from 630 to 8, just over in uh, Cannon Commons, just right across the street. And uh, they can sign up for that at thejar.org slash kickball, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, make sure you encourage those middle school, high school kids, you know, to go ahead and sign up for that. 
Well, um, I just want to ask the uh, prayer team to come on forward. And um, today, if there's anything in your life that um, you would like prayer for, they would love to be able to pray with you and encourage you today. Uh, If you would, please stand. Uh, Let me give the first part of it. Let's see if you've memorized the second part, okay? He must become greater. Good. Look at that. We didn't even have it up there. So this week, that's what I'd like you to do. And here's your challenge. Memorize that and then look in the mirror each day when you wake up and go, forget you. Forget you because it's not about you. 